Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. What up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the College Chaos Podcast. I'm Garrett Ross, alongside my man Jack McKenzie and you, and we appreciate all of you, and we hope you've had a great weekend. Jack, college basketball season has come, it has gone, and man, it was exciting at times and boring as hell at times, and I really, like, we talked about this when the Final Four was set, and I wasn't really feeling the men's. And you know you what? Really I was weren't. right, bro. I was right. I was right. That's an interesting. It was weak. I'm hmm. taking it. I was wrong. I mean, I was right. It was weak. Did you not like it? I mean, did you like the I final four? It. I did not. Dude. It wasn't crazy. Nothing stood out. Like the craziness all came before, but I mean, it just. I was. I was. I was happy with it, man. It was. It was a good final four. I just like so. Initially, when the FAU game and San Diego State was on, I kind of had that on as um, background noise. Like, yeah. I would check in every once in a while, um, but it did really nothing for me. I know at the end, it got tight and everything, but I just, I don't know what it was, man. Like, I, and I, I felt bad after we had this conversation, and I was kind of saying I trashed it a little bit. You know, I, I, I pulled my elitist card out. And it, that really wasn't right of me. You know, that, that's not fair to the, the, the kids who put in the effort and everything. So I felt Dude, bad this, about this is, that. This is college sports. I know. Be unapologetically no. elitist if you're going to be elitist. No, Come th on. Th that's the thing. Like, I, I think I had an Steering epiphany. I think I had an epiphany. Like, maybe I shouldn't be a total ass elitist all the time. Like, I, it was cool. And, I, and the reason I'm saying that is because during the national championship game, I found myself the times I did watch it, like I wanted San Diego state to win because like the whole talk, like the whole time we were leading up through March madness, it was, we talked about Bama and how like we did not want Bama to win, you know? Yeah. And then, so for San Diego state to kind of put them out of their misery, the, the, I think me realizing that in the moment was like, okay, do some good for mankind. And they just did not, <laughs> they did not. They did the good they needed to do. They didn't need to do more. I would have loved if they beat UConn just because I think it would have been more fun than having what is now turned into, like, how blue of a blood is UConn? Right, Where do they yeah. rank? Which, it's interesting in its own, right? Maybe we do that uh, next week. Maybe we have that as our college basketball segment next week. But it's just, it's not as entertaining to me as San Diego State just won. What does that mean for the future of college basketball? Right. Like, I, you know, so, yes, it wasn't as entertaining as I would have hoped. It would, definitely wasn't as entertaining as the first two rounds. But, honestly, the first two rounds are what I always look forward to. And after that, it's kind of just like, yeah, let's ride this out. Let's see where it goes. Let's see how far these Cinderella stories go. Let's, like, I don't have that, like, Christmas morning wonder about right. the Elite Eight, the Sweet 16, the Final Four. Like, it's all cool. If I could go to them, yeah. cover them, it would be amazing. But... The first two rounds, when you're sitting at home on your couch, it's Christmas morning for me as a sports fan. So, like, I, 
I guess I'm doing the same thing as you. It's just the reverse of I'm like, I'm going to be somewhere in the middle of right. elitist and chaos worshiper. <laughs> like, well, I mean, I it is, it, it is true though, because like, if you, if, when you look back at last year, we did get the bluest of the blue bloods. And, and now this year was what it was. Which and it is, was a great switch up for that. Reason. It really was. It was a really nice switch up. But at the same time, like, here's the thing. I, I think we're going to see more and more of this going forward with the transfer portal and, I think you're going to see more teams like Miami. I think you're going to see it broke up into where you have teams who can take advantage of the transfer portal and these teams that can get old and stay old. And then you're going to have sprinkled in some of these teams like Miami, um, LSU. I could see them on the men's side, maybe trying to ride the wave of the women's and and throw some NIL money over there to try to bump that program up. Texas A&M with buzz. I think you're going to see them really go in their bag. Look out, they might go get LJ Cryer. They really might. I think that would be a damn good fit. Like I think LJ cut him loose and buzz the system, let him be the guy, get all the shots he wants would be fun. But yeah, there are certain NIL players and schools that could become major players because of NIL. And it's that much more feasible with basketball. No, it re- it at. really is. And I was I was kind of concerned. It's it's weird because the thought like this never even would have crossed my mind like even five to ten years ago. Thinking about the numbers, like TV numbers, it, it's crazy how all of that's kind of been integrated into our mindsets. Like, because I don't know if that's something. Maybe it's just me. Had, had you ever really given any thought to like TV numbers or? I like I would see the headlines and be like, oh man, that's a lot of people. Right. But there'd be years where I'd hear like, they had 15 million people watch, and it was like, so is is, is that good or bad? Right. Yeah. Like I figure, what it's like a hundred some in the teens million people watch the Super Bowl, and like, okay, so is it terrible if a hundred million people fewer watch the final right. four? or just 70 million fewer like i don't know what those numbers i don't i never looked up the context so it was like oh cool nice (laughs) on to the next so like and honestly i don't think i'm necessarily there on it's important to me like it's not important i don't think it's important i don't don't think i'm necessarily getting to the point where i'm saying it's important right i think it's important yeah like in the negotiations of the TV deals and what, how, how much of a role does basketball get to play in conference realignment? It's important for that, but I don't think that's like that. If it's important to that, that's how it's important to me. The numbers on their own aren't all that important. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I think it's crazy too. And I'm glad you mentioned that when you said the TV deals, because that's probably something where if we wouldn't be, if we wouldn't have been harping and constantly looking at what the pack, the, the, well, the pack 12 situation and what the big 12 did, that probably wouldn't even be on the forefront. But I think that the the fact that you have one conference under a microscope right now, it's probably making us all look at the numbers. So, but I did think it was interesting that the men's game drew what they draw because coming into it, it was the, the women. Well, we're going to get to the women in a moment, but they put on a damn show. Like it, what they were able to do show. was unreal, and they their number they got, which we'll get into. I didn't. I was. I wasn't sure that this game would get to that. Um, but man, when the number came out, it was 14.5 million people tuned in on Monday night. That kind of caught me off guard because when you looked at the atmosphere, like watching it on TV, you could tell it was rocking. But like we had John McClain on yesterday on the afternoon show on 365 Sports from uh, Gallery Sports down in Houston. And he was saying, well, you know, it looked like that, but they darked it out because you could see there was it was empty up high. So it is one of those things. But I think that the, the people who it mattered to the most given that that fan base, that rabid fan base of UConn and what you saw with San Diego, because it is funny watching teams like San Diego or Miami, um, 
these towns who traditionally are on the fence about sports, and then once they get somebody rolling, they're just all in. Like, did you see the Padres game? They don't have a fun time with it. Yeah, like the Padres game when they were watching it and uh, when San Diego State beat FAU, I mean, it just erupted. So I think it's cool for those people to experience that and to see what they can build on. But, yeah, man, I think overall it was kind of a – I would say like a wet blanket type thing to the the season, but it just didn't – I feel like we had such a a high – throughout the season. There were so many great storylines. And while that was a great storyline to those people, I guess it just doesn't fit me personally or it doesn't positively impact me. So I'm not riding that same juice. I'm not feeling it the way other people might be. I, I can understand that, honestly. Because when you look at it like, hey, we have a bunch of non-power programs in the Final Four. Heck, we have a bunch of programs that don't play the power programs during the regular season. Essentially, it's we had a lot of storylines that only connected to the to us, to our teams. Right. These storylines connected to the majority of fans only through the tournament. They didn't have the knowledge of them and any prior history through the regular season, where it's different if Kansas and Duke play in some Champions Classic earlier in the year, and then it's like, oh, man, a rematch. Or they there's enough common opponents through the schedule where you're like, oh, no, I think I know. Yeah. And you've already got these, like, they've been in the media, they've been in your face through, and maybe this is something to do with ESPN or or just our own, the, the way viewers take the coverage in, because obviously ESPN is going to do what's best for their right. views on the coverage, but it's just like, it hasn't been worth it to anyone on any level to make or consume San Diego State's regular season stuff so people aren't connected to them where it's that much easier to be connected to what the hell is going on at duke and what the hell is going on at duke turned into duke's turning it around right and people are familiar they have a connection they everyone has a feeling about the brand of duke and that has to do with their prior success where they are at basically i'm just trying to pick on like some specifics of why fans would feel a different way uh about it and like why fans almost have nothing to have felt about for San Diego mm-hmm. State. But it, it's interesting there. And something else you said, the the, the like upper deck was, was blacked out right, because yeah. no one was there. I don't think that's important at all. At all. Yeah. I do not think it's important in the slightest. In fact, I think it's great. You know why I think it's great? Take the damn Final Four to smaller arenas that are they, better that, at hosting basketball. Thank you. Thank you. That is something that needs to be taken away from this is you're trying to pack out arenas for the biggest brands. Let's expect the biggest brands to not always make it and have an arena that's going to be packed no matter what. Hosted in the American Airlines Center. Or Dickey's Arena. Dude, or Dickey's D- Arena is phenomenal. It's going to have to be in something as big as the American Airlines Center. You're still going to be able to draw like an NBA-sized crowd. Yeah. Dickey's is a little too small. But, like, take it to good arenas that are good at hosting basketball. Don't take it to NFL stadiums. It, it just, I feel like it, it kills the environment. So, if... You're not going to be able to predict if a year like this year is going to happen or a year like last year is going to happen where you have four Blue Bloods. Right. Four Blue Bloods, yeah, you're going to pack out and have a great environment in any NFL stadium because that's how much people care. Well, I think but you don't want to bank on it being four Blue Bloods. So have it, have it in an NBA arena. Have it in an arena that's like just not that crazy big. So even if you get San Diego State, FAU, Miami, and UConn, it's still going to be a great environment. No, it is. And that, that's something where, like, I don't – I don't know. I've never understood the draw of putting it in a football arena. And I understand that 
you know, you're, you got to find cities. And if it's NBA season and you have a home team in, yada, yada, you're not going to be able to do that. But I, I agree with you 100%. There's got to be a way around that. And they've got to find a way to – because you're so far away from the at the the – the game i mean everything i don't know how why you would even want to pay even if it was like four blue bloods if, if me as a fan personally like i wouldn't want to pay a hundred dollars to go sit fo- that far away like that does nothing hell, for me it, what if i'm paying fifteen hundred dollars oh, yeah hell and yeah. i got a tall motherfucker like you sitting in front of me dude that's what i like so look, like, i'm one of the worst people but like, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you this when it comes to going to games in person, as a, like I hate it, dude, because of that reason right there. I don't want to pay a bunch of money and go to a, a game and deal with the people around me. Like, all right, not just tall people, but like you get these people like these big ass Signs heads and, and you know, like these. Yeah, like I don't want to deal with that or some belligerent drunk. Like I just, I that's always kind of been my hinder when it goes to coming to games in person like I, I would rather just stay at home and just watch it on tv like my, my main thing there is when you have it in these nfl stadiums you like the the seating once you're out of the actual stands that the nfl yeah has you have to close that gap to the floor with this very low grade like this is gonna get way too technical necessarily but like <laughs> you know the slope of the of the stands is so so low yeah. that like you really are having to look just over the top of someone's head to see the floor. So what happens if they jump up? What happens if they're just six inches taller than you? Yeah, it's a bad fan experience. They need to go to smaller arenas. No, they do. And besides, I, I said the American Airlines Center earlier for a very specific reason. You did, and it's where the women's Final Four was what, played this all right, year. So let, let's get into that. And you had an opportunity doing a freelance gig with uh, TigerBait.com and Mike Scarborough yeah. to go down there great and guy, cover great that. Site. They are. They are a great site. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give all that love. I'm going to give all that love to LSU. <laughs> uh, no, but for real, though, like, so watching that tournament, watching the Final Four in general for the women's side was a lot of fun. Uh, and I was more locked in because, you know, covering Baylor women this year, um, I, I just have kept an eye on it. Whereas in the past, I never – honestly, I probably wouldn't have given I – would, I probably wouldn't have clicked, checked in at all. Yeah. Um, but – it's made me realize that there, and I think this year in general was perfect for women's sports and women's uh, college basketball because there was so much parity. Because every year it was chalk, right? Like that's what made it boring. Was like you knew the same two or three teams were going to go, and everybody else. Like, it just let me put it like this: if you were in a bracket pool and you didn't go chalk, the odds you won were going down. Exactly. So it, it was just kind of one of those things where it lulled you to sleep. But I think now, man, you've got personalities. Um, you have storylines. But watching that Final Four, it looked like the atmosphere was just unreal. So take us through what it was like from your perspective, your vantage point, uh, and what it was like to actually be inside of that building. So on the inside of the building, like, it, it was rocking, man. They did this whole red carpet entrance before the championship game. At like all of Victory Plaza, the plaza outside the arena mm-hmm. was packed out along the carpet. I got, honestly, I got sh- kind of shafted by this guy in front of me. I, I was trying to get a shot of Mulkey <laughs> walking down the carpet, and I got this guy just was in front of me. It was a little annoying. Nice, nice enough guy, but like, come on, I'm here to work. get out of the way. Um, <laughs> but like inside, it was it was it was bumping. Like it was it was a really good environment. There wasn't any huge block of seats that I noticed with like in the lower levels right. that was wasn't packed out and 
like people were getting loud people really cared and it felt like an event like any any it felt like any big 12 conference basketball game right maybe not the 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 like Kansas versus Baylor of the last couple of years or or like it didn't feel like necessarily a top five matchup for a men's game right but it doesn't need to be that no. right now it's a massive step forward for them and the TV viewership is what what really caught my eye because they did what 9.9 9.9 they did 9.9 million they peaked at 12.5 like and you have some numbers just kind of give that a little comparison to, I don't know, maybe the juggernaut, which is the NFL. The number one thing that stands out, aside from peaking at 12.5, which is exactly 2 million off of the men's overall number. Yeah, yeah. Which, two mil- just 2 million. That's, 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 take yeah, a minute that's a and win. digest that. That's a win. Take a minute and digest that. Um, and now, now that you've digested that, digest this. This is a bite to chew on. 9.9 million is better than let's see i want to make sure i get this number right we're going to the notes uh more that number 9.9 million is more than is more is higher viewership than nine of this past season's thursday night nfl football games the women's final four outdrew half a season's worth of thursday night football talk that talk seriously like I didn't think I'd honestly I, I thought I would die before I lived in a world like I thought I would get old and die before right. I lived in a world where the NFL <laughs> in any version of the NFL was outdrawn by women's college basketball. Like I'm not trying to say like that probably makes me sound terrible. No, it doesn't. Like, I thought that was the reality I lived in. No, it's a great point. And I know you're gonna have people who will argue, well, it was bad football, but I don't give a damn. The NFL is the Mecca. Like that is you get People tuning in for in absurd numbers for terrible matchups all the time, and it's it's not only just because of the product itself, but you got to think of all the bets, the fantasy football. So you're naturally going to have people who don't even care about that tuning in. To whereas, which I think this is kind of what benefited this was you had more people who didn't traditionally care tuning in, but man, it was really remarkable. And I think kind of getting down to the natty when you look at it. There's so many angles you can go to with this game, and obviously the controversy at the end, for whatever reason you want to break it, a controversy with uh, Reese and Caitlin Clark and the hand and the ring got more of the attention. I think if you want to draw a negative to anything when you're looking at that, you got to start first with the officiating, which was ridiculous. Oh, it was terrible. I, I don't understand. I've never understood this, and I would love to sit down with an official and talk. But like to me, if you're official, if you're a crew of officials, maybe this is just my perspective. But if I was official, especially going into a game like that, I would say we're going to be as loose as possible. If you're not bleeding or something, let's just you know maybe that's being extreme. That's but a bit let's extreme. not let's just chill out on calling the fouls. Let the game be determined by the players, the stars on the court. Because when you're at a point in the second quarter and you have both teams with like two to three stars on the bench that's bullshit here here's my quick thing on the refs one what's great is every sport has this problem it's not unique, oh absolutely unique to women's basketball and i honestly don't even think it's uniquely bad in women's basketball at least those refs in that championship game compared to other refs in other championship games and other sports the big problem was i feel like those refs 
tried to execute what something I might actually advocate for in a lot of refing, which is let it go, tighten up when you need to. Right. They tightened up in the wrong, the worst freaking ways. Everything was on the stars, both sides. Alexis Morris and Angel Reese were out for LSU because of two fouls in the in the early in the second, second quarter. Yep. And the same goes for Caitlin Clark and uh, Sonano. Uh, yeah, Sonano. Uh, for Iowa. They just, it felt like every time the rest tightened up, it was on the stars. And it just ended up being a little over unbalanced against Iowa's stars. No, it did. It did. And that technical call, I'm not, I can't defend that technical call in any way on Caitlin Clark. Like, honestly. Okay. Yeah. All right. I want to get into that. That's a great point. I can see how the call was made in a, in a big picture. Would I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have called the, I wouldn't have not have blown the whistle, but here's the thing. And here's what, here's what I'm getting at. There's no way you can justify blowing the whistle on her doing that and not tee up Kim Mulkey for belligerently ranting on the sidelines and damn near hitting a ref and being on the court, like being all literally like she's out there opening, like posting up for a three, like, dude, no, we can't have that. My thing is just, I, I don't even go there because yes, you're right. I completely agree. I think in a vacuum, that's a bad technical. Hell yeah, it is. Any any level of basketball, like you can get into the 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 official the official like defense defense of it released by the ref was you know by this rule they called out the rule. It was a dead ball. Yeah, and you just called a you, foul. Can you actually get a delay of game warning or a de- a delay of game call on a dead ball? Because you just called a foul. You literally just called a foul. That she didn't aggressively throw the ball anywhere either. She threw it right by the bottom of the basket. Like I, I just that is a brutal technical. F- that that is one of those. This ref has an ego. Yeah. If there's one thing a ref should not have, it's an ego. Like, I know it's a part-time gig. I know it's not your full-time job. I know like you're doing this because you love the game. Yeah, but at that level, man, like that's at that level, you have to be better than all of it. You have to be above all of that. You see it in the NBA plenty of times with some really laughable technical fouls. Thank God those happen pretty much only in the regular season. Because when it gets to the postseason, they mean so much more. Yeah. And that one was in the championship game on the best player in that championship game. No offense to Angel Reese, Alexis Morris. Kayla Clark's the best player. Yeah. Jasmine Carson, who went she went off, off bro. <laughs> but like Caitlin Clark was the best player in that game, and she was benched because of that foul. And she could not play defense or frankly the offense she was playing, because two of her other fouls were offensive fouls. Like she was taken out of that game mm-hmm. by the way the refs called it. And she still dropped 30, by the way. Bro, cold. She's so cold, dude. Uh, so, all right. I guess the elephant in the room here is obviously the end of the game. And Reese oh, does you, the... You could have dumped out of this segment. I could have, we're, man. We're but go, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring this. I don't this. care. I won't bring this up. <laughs> so, Reese does the, the little point at the ring, the hand in the face. And, of course, this draws... I don't know what it says about where we're at right now <laughs> in general, but the backlash and the different avenues that traveled down throughout social media um, were disgusting, um, disheartening, 
expected, everything confusing. Wrong with <laughs> like, okay, joke. look, I understand it from both sides. I do. Um, at the end of the day, I'm a person, which, I mean, you should probably, if you listen to this enough, you kind of get it. I'm more of like the, I, I go for the underdog, the outlier, people who go against the grain of society's norms. Watch out, people is going with his LSU Tigers again. No, like, I have no problem. <laughs> like, but if Caitlin, no, Clark, no, all right, no, 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 you flip the script. If Caitlin Clark would have, if I would have won, and Caitlin would have done that to Angel, Angel, I would not have had a problem either. I don't care. It's sports. I like people who are just comfortable with antagonizing. I, I like Allen Iverson. Like, I've always been drawn to that. I think it's part of sports. I think it can go overboard at times. But at the end of the day, and I'm so glad Caitlin Clark came out and the statement she made. It was absolutely necessary. Dude. She has saved the situation, honestly, just this, by – and I, I, I really – don't mean to say saved it like she's not saving it from angel angel reese is being herself she's being completely true to herself and i love and it that is something that while i am not a fan of the way she followed her around she is angel reese is being angel reese i'm not going to sit here and tell her to stop no and honestly all of this every single last second of this drama has been amazing for their it's, sport it's been the best thing ever people, because people are not going to stop watching because they're like Oh, man, that girl, she's classless. It's like, no, now you're going to watch to see her get beat. See, and now you're going to tune in more. You are going to tune in more, and it's great. And Caitlin Clark coming out here and being like, no, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. Like, she's being her. We competed hard. That's how things go. I'll, great. Exactly. All of, all of this has, has been great to the last step for the sport, even though I was not a fan of the way she followed her around the court. And that's perfectly fine, and I'm glad that you look. I think it's great that both of them realized that they squashed it, which there was really nothing to ever squashed. I mean, it's ridiculous. But anyway, I think it's going to be awesome. You're going to have both of them back next year, uh, which is going to be great for the game of basketball. UConn's going to get back Paige Bukers. Early season tournament, get Bro, you, all of these they teams in have there. got to they go against to. each other. You cannot, you cannot have the chance that they don't play yep. each other next year we're going they long have to play each other next year we're going long and this is something i thought of though but i was i when i because i didn't realize that reese had transferred to lsu from maryland and i'm sitting there like as someone who covered women's college basketball how the hell do you have diamond miller and reese on the same team and do nothing <laughs> bro like i need to, i need the details on how that transpired because that is uncalled for but but anyway yeah, we're going to get into some college football news. Uh, yeah, don't worry. We'll, we'll get back to that on this college we're, football Yeah, channel. we're, we're going to get back to some college football. But uh, there were some interesting comments by a guy who I'm not really a big fan of in the SEC, but he has a good point, and I want to get into that next here on the College Chaos Podcast. What up, everybody? Welcome back into the College Chaos Podcast. Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie here with you, and we are, as promised, going to talk some college football. No, say it ain't so. I know we got to get to it. Nobody, <laughs> nobody likes college no football. No one likes college football here. No, it's everybody the worst. hates that. So much violence. <laughs> it's so terrible. much needless violence. <laughs> get it out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so uh, let's talk about the SEC and Ufree's oh, new Auburn God. head coach. Not the SEC again. SEC um, has come out with some comments, and we were talking about this prior to the show. We kind of have a little difference of opinion on it, but Euphrase said that he would like to see spring games take the place of traditional inter-squad scrimmages where he would like to say 
Auburn plays Troy or they play UAB and kind of get some reps out of it. I like this idea. Um, I think it would be great. And he also brings up a good point, which I've never really thought. I, I, don't, I mean, I guess I've thought about it. I just haven't given it too much time. How high school does scrimmage, NFL does scrimmages, college does it. And I think it's kind of similar, which we've talked about this before in college basketball, where the men, for whatever reason, do the two halves instead of four quarters. One of those type of weird things. Yeah. Um, I like this idea. I think it would be cool. I think it's um, especially now that we're seeing more expansion uh, within conferences and you're going to have more conference games, which is going to lead to less non-con games. I think this is a good idea. I would like to see it. I know you're a little apprehensive. What are some of your drawbacks on why you don't think this is a good idea? I can't help but be apprehensive on this, and I like the idea. Honestly, I do. I think you're absolutely right to point at all the other levels where you see these these uh, scrimmages or preseason games against teams that aren't you. It's just you can't – in my mind, you can't scrimmage in conference. It gives too no. much info away. And you're going to want to scrimmage someone that's relatively close to you. So, all of a sudden, Bama is forced to scrimmage someone like UAB or Troy. And at that point, for those schools, for the Troys, for the UABs, I don't think it's actually helpful. I think your ones are going to match up possibly interestingly and actually gain from the experience going against Bama's ones. Troy's ones against Bama's two. Twos, again, they'll gain from the experience. The second you get to, like, Troy's number twos or UAB's number twos, the gap to Bama's number twos, holy heck. Like, I just don't think that's actually going to be beneficial for those guys. Troy's twos against Bama's threes, eh, maybe. Once you get to Troy's threes, again, I think they're getting blown out of the water by Bama's threes in an unhelpful way. I just don't. And Troy was a good team last year, so no, it they feels were. a little weird to use them as the example here. It's just, I think your options are too limited based on location and conference affiliation how like california schools okay football how many football playing schools in california are there there's a ton there's a there really is i mean when you look okay so what you got who san diego state could play i mean there's i'm not gonna sit here so but san diego state uh, all right i guess this is point making my point look are are cal and stanford gonna play like san francisco does San Francisco even have a No, but I think team? if, all right, for instance, if you're in California, I think then if you can't find, all right, we're in Texas, like you're Texas Tech, I think you could schedule New Mexico. I, I feel like if you're in California, you could schedule, if you can't find somebody in state, you could easily pick a school from Oregon or Utah or some crap like that and okay. go with it. Let, let's dig one step deeper. So where is that game being hosted? It's going to be hosted at the bigger school, right? They're yes. not going to give up their spring game revenue. No or I don't know how much revenue is actually made off the spring game. But even if they don't make much revenue, all of a sudden it seems like you're going to have to go. It's going to be – it's not going to be the same cost as a true buy game, but it's going to be you're, you're paying a school to come play you because the travel costs, the – you don't have a spring game now because you're probably still only going to play that one spring game. Like how – there's just too much to it where it's like this doesn't make enough sense – as much sense as it makes that, no, you, you should scrimmage someone else. You really should. That makes a lot of sense in its own. But because it's a product they put out on the field, 
just equating it to other actual true college non-conference games, I just don't – I don't see it happening as much as I kind of want it to. I see it in, where I see it as I think that – I think it would be beneficial. Even if you get your teeth beat in, um, it's like say you're a, a third string going up against – like you're a third string from Troy going up against third string from, from Bama. I Even if you get your teeth kicked in, I don't think that – you can count out the importance of those reps because if you can even make a dent against somebody, or even if it, even if it's not from a hole, like if, if say you're an offensive lineman and you really it tests your will as a man that you're just getting slapped around, you can't tell me that's not going to benefit you when you line up against somebody in conference play two years later. Like you're going to think about all right. A good example to me would be, and I can tell me if I'm wrong on this. If you go back and look when Baylor and Georgia played in the Sugar Bowl. And Georgia's didn't even really have – they had a lot of their main offensive line people even sit out. And they put those two – their their third string was just dominating Baylor's first string. Yes. And then you go back and look, while we didn't realize this was one of the best teams ever, it benefited Baylor the next year. I think it did, their offensive line. I think it, it made them a little tougher and it benefited them in the long run. And I, honestly, I feel like you need that – I, that's just where I'm coming from. Regardless, I think you could see, and people would say, throw out the injury thing. I think injuries can happen at any time. I nearly did. I didn't really want to throw out the injury thing. They can I, I think it's going to happen. I, I do think they're more likely when you force mismatches. Like, when, when you've got a guy who's been through Bama's strength program for a couple of years, compared to, let's say, your freshman, like, you're you're because you are getting sophomore redshirt sophomore third stringers at Bama because they keep bringing in freshmen who can beat them out and they keep bringing uh, they they keep having older guys who will mm-hmm. stay who've been through the program longer who are the second stringer so your third stringers are probably going to be that much more developed than the third string freshman mm-hmm. brand new to college sports not even like didn't even get a power five offer guy at at Troy or or whatnot it I don't even want to bring that that up too much because injuries are injuries they are so often freak things that just they just happen I still think I just don't I don't think it's it's worth it because it's like it's a wake-up call that's all you're saying it is it's a wake-up call hopefully your guys work harder after that because they went and got their asses kicked did they did like is there not another way to get the wake-up call that's going to be cheaper on the coaches, easier on the coach, like cheaper on the program, easier on the coaches that you don't have to go get your ass kicked and you can probably go help the psychology of the team for, instead of we all got our asses kicked. Now either we all have the proper psychological response to that that our coach wants or we're going to fold and gain nothing from it or are you going to go play someone at the correct level, which is probably yourself. You're not going to get beat up by the whole – hey, we just got our asses kicked. If I don't respond to this, I'm just going to go in a hole and be like, ah, shit. So you would rather have it if it was like, say, all right, if it was Texas and they brought in North Texas, like, would you be cool with that? Or you think there's still too much of a disparity between the two programs? Or is it that close enough in a sense compared to like, I don't know, Blinn, or I know that wouldn't be real, (laughs) but you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like where's the you, line you're drawing on school? Because that, that's to me, it seems like you're down with this, but you think I'm that down you with need it. to maybe, have maybe schools Maybe focusing on together. Bama is tough because, like, Troy and Auburn didn't seem that bad to me. 
UAB and Bama. But Troy's seems coach bad to was me. all all on it. He was like, that, "Hell, we'll come." No, but that's the thing. He was all on. He was all on <laughs> going, going to Auburn. He wasn't all on going to Bama. And I think there's a reason for that. UNT isn't in a isn't in a bad spot as a program, and Texas hasn't proven that they're crazy good. So like, I don't hate that. Tulsa and OU, sure, but it's it's honestly it's more of the like Georgia Southern Georgia. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> You're gonna have to have, you're gonna have to have multiple ambulances at that game. Hey, you can at least do like a battle of the bands, man, or something. <laughs> Georgia Southern will wreck them, dude. Yeah, Georgia's not winning that. It's gonna, it's the same kind of matchup. Come on, oh, man. like it's like if you had if you had Georgia Tech, Georgia, that'd be interesting. But Georgia Tech's a terrible program right now. I just it's let, just that they're Power Five. Like that, that's the that's the difference to me. I just I feel like I like it. I think you're you're definitely gonna have some regardless. Of who it is, you're gonna ha- you're always gonna have those outliers of those teams. We see it all the time, like especially in high school football. You know, if what? you have a really good team, like they struggle to get anybody to come near them to play. You know what? Honestly, I I might have to backtrack a, li- a little and say because I've been thinking about this through that Bamlet. Maybe it's truly just the true national title contenders have no business doing this. Everyone else should do it. But I I honestly think the the Michigan's, Ohio State's, Georgia's, uh, Alabama's. No, they should not. Florida UCF, holy, sign me <laughs> I, up. I would, yeah, that you, you know, that like would be stuff like that. USF Florida, even like, yeah, let's do it. It's just when you get these national title contenders who I'm like, dude, there's no reason they shouldn't be in the national title at the end of the year, and you're gonna tell me that they because again, I do think travel concerns are real. Yeah, that they are gonna have to stay relatively close to their state. It's like. Well, your options then are actually Troy and UAB. Troy might be able to handle it. UAB, I don't think they're getting anything out of that game unless they're getting paid. And at that point, it's just for the money. That's a good point. It, it, do you think, because this is another thing we kind of, and I, you brought it, you, you, you kind of made me think about it some more to the point where you're more than likely right. But do you think I'm there's a point? Right. <laughs> you're <always> right. <laughs> do you think there's a point within the next all right, let's say next decade, per se, whereas the conferences continue to grow and you have less and less non-con games, you're going to see these two con- – all right, well, let's just throw out the Big Ten, the SEC, to where they're going to try to not ske- – like, if they can find a way to schedule each other, like round robins or somehow where – that's your non-con game is just between those two. Do you think it's going to get to that point where it's going to block out your schools like, I don't know, a, a Wofford going to play Clemson? Like, Do you think that's going to get to that point, or is it never going to get there? It will get there in one way, and that way could very well happen, even though I've spoken out against it, and I don't think it will personally, and I have went on a whole rant in the episode <laughs> of the show about you? it. A rant? Never. Um <laughs> It will happen if and only if those two conferences can literally break completely away, have their own championship, have their own playoff, whatever they want it to be. As long as the playoff includes other conferences, they will not take the risk of losing games against fellow good teams in non-conference. Like They will schedule the one. They will always have that one. And most of the time, they're going to hope that that one ends up being, oh, well, Oregon has a down year this year. Or, you know, oh, well, hopefully USC has a down year this year. Mm-hmm. Because there are only so many Rutgerses and Vanderbilts to go around. You're going to have to start – like 
you're going to have two non-conference games. Like, say you're a SEC team. You might get Rutgers in one of those games, but then you're going to get, like, maybe an Iowa and then a bigger matchup, like an Iowa and Penn State. Mm-hmm. Iowa and Penn State, and you want to you want to take the risk as Florida that you're going to get through that and still get to the playoff. Like, you're probably going to lose two SEC games. What if you lose both of those tough Big Ten games? All of a sudden, you're four losses, and you're going to tell me that a two-loss TCU sh- like shouldn't beat four-loss Florida out? Just because they they've gone off and they've they've scheduled only themselves those two power conferences, it's, I just think it's too much risk. I'm not saying that the committee wouldn't, right? If there's still a committee at that point, that's it's a good just, point. Um, <laughs> it's just one of those things to me where like there's too much risk and there's too much to be gained by playing it safe. Yeah, it's exactly why like why Baylor had those crappy schedules under Bryles. It was like we are playing it safe. We want to make sure we get in. It bit them in the butt one oh, time. Yeah, it definitely it, did. It took like a miracle scenario for it to bite them in the butt. You know? No, it is. I just think that, to me, I feel like right now, the way egos are, are like powering all of this and money, I feel like if that was presented the right way, they would jump and take that to where they could only play each other. I, does that make sense? Like, I feel like there's a they would try to figure it out. Now, you still... They still might sprinkle in, what, like Oregon? You know Oregon would draw eyes, so maybe that, but we, I don't know. Hopefully it doesn't ever get to that point, but I think if it did, that would be more cause to go to what we're talking about with these spring games where you actually bring the teams in. I think if that might be the, the breaking point to what set all of that in motion where we saw these spring games every year to compensate for – these bigger programs trying to just play each other. The bigger programs will start gravitating towards that, I think. I think with the expanded playoff, they can start taking some more risks um, as a as a group of Power Five. Like, the right. Power Five can take more risks. I don't think – I think once you make it the Power Two, that's too small and too specific, yeah. and the risks aren't worth it. Maybe I'm drawing such an arbitrary line that people will tell me I'm stupid in the comments. You have every right to do that. I can be sometimes. <laughs> Um, in fact, quite often, but, uh, it'll be interesting to see where this goes once, like where all these, like what changes start occurring once it gets to 12 and people get used to 12. Cause all of a sudden it's like, well, yeah. So what, I don't, what, what I don't know that it would stay at, I, that's the thing too. Five? Like right now I feel like a common FC, a uh, common schedule is like FCS group of five power five. Right. That's my three non-conference games, but maybe you start phasing that FCS out. Maybe you start phasing out, uh, the, Turning that FCS not not just into group of five, but into a power five. You play, you play like you end up playing eleven power fives in a group of five. I don't know. It it'll be interesting to see what happens because of the twelve team playoff with non conference scheduling. That's a great idea. That though. that that's all. The the, the playing the the power. I like that idea. The the power, the power five and the group of five. Uh, anyway, let's put a ball on this show. We're gonna get into our next segment, which is would you take that bet? where we have a lot of fun activities lined up. Take that bet. And we'll get to that next here on the College Chaos Podcast. Oh, wait. I should actually start the music. Welcome back into the College Chaos Podcast. I'm Jack McKenzie here with Garrett Ross. And let's... uh, Let's have some fun. You know, sports betting's getting getting bigger in the U.S. And as I'm trying to jump on board, Jack. 
And as we hit the summer with college football, it might feel like, oh, everything's so far away. And that's where the degenerates come out <laughs> and start placing bets. You start losing your house. So it's time for us to be degenerates. Okay, I'm going to th- I'm going to throw uh throw uh, a scenario at you. And we're not we're not putting lines on any of this. We're not putting any values, money values anything. But I just want to know, would you take this bet? Okay. That the ACC wins a title, a college football national championship before the Big 10 does. Ooh. Oh man. Um would you take that bet? Damn, dude. The, I, I'm not gonna take it. And He's while I would, gonna take it. I would love to take it because I really, I like what Florida State has coming back this year. I think they. So, would, so when you say you're not gonna take it, that means you are siding. I, with, I think Michigan will make it. Okay. I there think we Michigan go. gets over the hump. I think JJ McCarthy leads them to the to back into the CFP. I think they beat Ohio State once again. Ryan Day. Is probably out the door, and I expect Corum to have a breakout season from having to miss last year. Um, <laughs> that being said, if Michigan wasn't where they're at right now, I would take this bet. But I've got I'm I'm going to pass because the Wolverines. See, I'm sitting over here thinking the way that Michigan seems like they are making Ohio State their bitch. Which is weird, but yeah. Really weird. Didn't think we'd be here three years ago. <laughs> um, I Now, Michigan fans, as much as you might love me for saying that, you're about to hate me because I think <laughs> the, the powers of the SEC make Michigan their bitch in the exact same way. Oh, absolutely. They just dominate them. They physically go in there and like, you know, whatever type of game you want to play, you fucking can't against us. <laughs> I don't know why I decided to start dropping the cuss words when I was care- careful about that earlier in the show, but, like, let, let's be real. I That's the way I see it. The way Michigan just goes in there and bullies Ohio State now, SC, the SEC, the top of the the Bamas, the Georgias, they, they will do that to Michigan. So that's the way I see it. That's why I think the ACC actually has a better shot. I don't know why. I just feel like if there's going to be an upset, I don't trust Michigan. I just don't. That's fair. That is very fair because I, I'm kind of there. Like, I always have a hard time trusting Harbaugh. I don't like him personally. Like, I just – he seems like a weirdo and an ass. Oh, and I yeah, would not want to deal with that. Uh, but, man – and I would love it. I I would love LSU to beat Florida State in the opener to get back from last year. And then I want to see – I would like to see Florida State go on and make a run for the title. All right, Jack. I think it'd be great to see uh, our our friend and coworker Paul Catalina. Uh, yeah, he would be pumped. He would be insane. I'd love to be around him. I would actually no. I'd take that back. I'd hate to be around him. He's gonna be stressed. <laughs> he'd, be he'd, be, he'd be taking pot shots left and right. He's a he's a stand up comic, and so the way he'd probably just be dealing with his stress is like, you know what? I'm gonna make fun of you. Yeah, I'm gonna take this out on you. Anyway, Garrett, you got a bet? All right, Jack. Texas and Oklahoma will sweep the new schools on their schedule oh, this season in football. Oh, man. So, Texas has... Texas will be playing BYU October 28th. And that Cincinnati. is... No, that's their only... Dude, are you kidding me? All right, so... And Houston. So Houston. They Houston. go to Houston. One, Houston, take that as a compliment. We already think you're part of the Big 12. Exactly. Two, uh... Neither of those games seem dangerous to me. To a team that I think has no excuse, honestly, not to be in Arlington at the end of the year right now. All right. Like, I 
I might be taking it a step further, and usually I probably wouldn't have said no excuse, but, like, let's be real. If they, Texas they, isn't the, in the they CFP. should be the favorite to win the conference this year. Dude, yeah. And so it would be a failure to not make the title game. Um, Oklahoma, though. Oklahoma's Oklahoma has, got three. three. They, they go to Cincy. Oklahoma has everyone but Houston, right? Correct. Okay. And they only host they, – they, 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 they only go to Cincy. They no, they go to BYU as well. Oh. They're headed to Provo. That's at the end of the year. That's the next to last uh, – that's mm. November 18th, right before TCU. It's in between West Virginia and TCU. Both of those are in Norman, but they got to go to Provo. That Provo one is spicy. I know. That – Originally, because of course we do, we have to do some prep for the show. We kind of we kind of <laughs> talked about these. We um we both are like, yeah, no, I'm not I'm not taking I'm not taking the bet. Like, I'm I'm not thinking I'm not over here thinking that uh, either of those teams will lose to a new member. But just having having three shots. Mm-hmm. There's the emotional UCF OU towards the start of conference play, right? right? Where you've got Gabriel against his old school. Uh, Lebby was at UCF was for too. a little, yep. um, and it's early on, so UCF should be like, "It's it, we got you know we got to get a conference win here." <laughs> um, but that's in Norman. What you going to do? I don't feel good about Cincinnati this year, really at all. I, yeah, they're that's, so weird. Oh, you should just ha- be able to out talent them, and that should be it. Um, that pro that pro if if a new member is beating. One of the leaving members, one of the departers, it's gonna be BYU in Provo against Oklahoma. You gonna take I'm gonna it? Say that now. I'm not gonna take it. Not gonna I, take I, it. I I don't. I think it's a perfect five and zero oh for for the old the old hats who are leaving for the SEC. I do as well. Like, okay. Any any different reasoning you got? I just feel like, te- obviously, I feel like Texas will be in the Big Twelve championship against Texas Tech. I feel like. If Texas doesn't, honestly, at this point, if Texas doesn't make the college football playoff, it's a bust. The, they have too much coming back. They have too many expectations, and they're out the door after this year. They've got to capitalize. That's a high freaking bar. I, that, to me, it's inexcusable with what you have in your schedule. If you don't, you, you have failed. Yeah, that, the, that's just where I'm the, at with the that. The schedule is probably bigger to me than, like, I don't want to overvalue what they have. They've got a lot of talent down there. Um, I'm not sure exactly how it will all piece together. Right. I don't know who their quarterback's going to be at the end of the year. None of us do, but it's it's that schedule. Not they don't it. lead the state of Texas between week no. what, two and week thirteen. Yeah, like it it just it's insane. And on top of that, we're going to get into my next bet proposal uh, because I think it touches on this well, actually. Okay, a new Big Twelve team. One of the four new members finishes higher in the standings than a past conference champion. Ooh. Someone who has won the Big 12 before will finish lower. I'll than take that. A new I'm member. taking that. You'll take that. I bet. will take that. Okay. Who because are you thinking of? I think UCF. Because it's not Texas or OU, right? No. No. I, I, will, I will take that. I'll take UCF. I feel like UCF has the best chance of of making this transition of any program coming in. I think we're in agreement on that. I think they have a legit quarterback who I feel will be the fifth best quarterback in this conference. Uh, John Rice. John Plumlee? Rice Plumley. It's Rice, not Reese. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they have a coach with a championship pedigree. Um, 
I, I think UCF will finish better than TC. Well, I mean, I'd have to look. We, we've done this before, but yeah, I'll take that bet. I think UCF finishes better than a team who has previously won the Big Twelve Conference. My man's is still high on the bounce house. Bounce house, baby. <laughs> yeah, um, I am hesitant to put even UCF definitively over anyone that's won the conference before, except for and. Go ahead and hate me, Pokes fans. Oklahoma Ooh. State. I have zero confidence in y'all this year. Hopefully you guys go bowling, but you're going to have to top seven wins yeah. to top UCF. I think UCF's a lock for seven wins. And, yeah, I just I, – I think it's a good thought exercise at the very least. I, I think it's really interesting to look at the past conference champions – I don't necessarily count TCU as a Baylor grad because tiebreakers. Well, and TCU won. Did, no, that was it was Oklahoma State that won in 2011. That's Oklahoma the one I was State won in yeah, 2011. They, yeah, I believe TCU's only was that claim fiasco of with title Baylor. was the fiasco year yeah. with the playoff and all that. Uh, because even in their best years, they seem to not be able to really seal the deal on the conference. Yeah, they have better shots at the playoff, but they can't seal that conference deal. Final question, I'll throw one your way, and we'll get out of here. The next Heisman winner comes from the wow, SEC. Stealing, stealing mine. I, I'm going to let you have that one. It's impossibly tough to repeat as a Heisman winner. I'm writing off Caleb Williams. Fair. Now, you want to tell me a receiver or quarterback from, like, Ohio State or maybe Quorum of Michigan are, are going to go off this year? Yeah, I can see it. Sure. I don't even have a specific name in mind when I say this. And I don't want to sound like an elitist. The SEC is chocked so full of freaking talent, I just don't see how they keep the <laughs> award away for, like, multiple years in a row. I just don't. I don't. Like, someone's going to blow up in the SEC this year. Hendon Hooker did last year. He did. Like, someone. I hope it's Jaden Daniels. Someone's going to go off. Go off, Jaden Daniels. <laughs> someone's going to go off in the SEC this year. Jaden Daniels isn't going to be the starting quarterback by the end of the year at LSU. You can shut up on that. What? Nuss Meyer. I love Nuss, but no, 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 no. Uh, no, no, no. Look, there's just, there is too much talent in the SEC. Someone's going to blow up. Maybe it is Jalen Daniels. I'm not on that train, but. I would love yeah. to see Brock Bowers do it. I know a tight end. That, oh, we both. Bro, would I would, would love to love see that. Brock Bowers. That would be so badass to watch him do that. But yeah, so like, I, I take the bet. Like, I am willing to bet that the, the Heisman winner comes out of the SEC this year just because how much people value the conference, how much talent there is in the conference. And I could go on here and rail about how McCaffrey lost the Heisman his year when... Uh, he should have got that. I'll give him no, that. No disrespect to King Henry. No disrespect, but like... McCaffrey, dog. He was different. He was different. <laughs> Fournette was on a worse team in the same conference, put up damn near the same stats. Sorry. Don't, don't team, hate on my boy, same, but you're right. No, I'm saying Fournette was great. I know. But the fact that Henry didn't have, like, any crazy separation from Fournette when Fournette was on a worse team in the same division, like, come on. Yeah. It's clear McCaffrey is better. I don't, I'm with I don't you understand on that. that. I will agree with you my on that. My point is there there is an SEC bias even in the Heisman voting, and so I'm not going to bet against it. That's there is fair. so much talent, and there's a bias for them. Hell no. Caleb Williams also is not going to win. He's USC is not going to achieve what they want. Caleb Williams is not going to win the Heisman because the team didn't achieve what they want. The bar is that much higher for him this year. There is no favorite outside of the SEC. Like, 
I'm not finding a favorite in the SEC, but I don't think there's really a favorite out there that I trust. So that's my that's my two cents. What are your two cents? And then we can wrap this shit up. Uh, my thing is, I would. I don't. Mm, man, I think somebody outside of the SEC will win it. I don't necessarily think it's Caleb Williams. I wouldn't be surprised though if it is a Ooh, quarterback. Michael Penix Jr. That's what I was going to say. I was about to say. I do not. I wouldn't be surprised if it is a quarterback from the Pac-12, whether it's Penix or Bo Nix going off. Yeah. Um, I feel like there is so much because it, that that award, as much as it has no business being, is always quarterback first, then maybe a. Running back. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Marvin Marvin Harrison Jr. won it as well yep. at Ohio State. But Jordan Travis at FSU. Has I mean, a there's shot. there's plenty of options. But I think with really kind of focusing on it being quarterback heavy year in and year out, the talent out there on the West Coast, um, I, I'm going to say it's somebody outside of the SEC that wins the Heisman. You'll probably win that bet, but I just I got a feeling, man. I got a feeling. We can revisit this later, but uh, thanks for tuning in, y'all, today. Uh, obviously, on 365 Sports, we'll have that main show here today, 3 to 6. Uh, keep checking out, looking for our segments going up on Crystal Ball College Football oh. and 365 College Basketball for those college basketball segments. Like, subscribe, please do your thing. Please follow us on Twitter. That you know that could help us, <laughs> yeah. can help us out a nice little bit. But, again, thanks for tuning in today, and this has been the College Chaos Podcast. Peace.